book of Matthew. Jesus, what does he say? Someone want to shout it out? He says, go. Just go. And, 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 and what does that mean? You're, you we're taking our life, our testimony, just as John was just talking about, and going, leaving the place that you're at, and telling uh, folks about it. And that's just a powerful thing. And, and we have probably been on 100 mission trips by now. And one of the main things that happens is just people want to hear wherever we're at. They want to they want to hear the testimony of what the Lord has done in our life. And so uh, we're thinking about Argentina and uh, going back to Argentina in February. And then we're thinking about Brazil or Peru next summer. So be praying about uh, those mission trips as well as going back to Kensington. But right now we are going to, I'll switch mics. Am I on? We are going to go to Galatians chapter 6. Please rise for the reading of God's word. And I thought we were going to finish Galatians today. We've been in it since October, but oh man, ain't going to happen. We're in just one verse, going chapter by chapter through Galatians. We're in verse 14. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? Bible, anyone. We have one over here, David. Anyone else need a Bible? Raise your hand, Spanish or English. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 says this. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you. But Lord, not only do you save us and restore us, you send us and use us, Lord. And Father, as we are, are in this verse tonight, rather this morning, Lord, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. My request is that you would do that, that you would do that for me, that you would do that to everyone in this room, every person, that you would bring them to the place where they glory in one thing, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I prefer this version, it's the RSV. But God, but far be it from me to glory. And they, so they use the word glory instead of boast. I like that because the word boast means, uh, it, it, or it stirs up this um, 
thought of, of speaking, that you got to use your mouth to boast. But we know that's not true, right? We, we can glory, we can boast, and just in our own mind. We can be, you can be the most boastful person in the world and never open your mouth. But, but a, a better word's glory. Far be it from me to glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this oh-so-important verse that Paul is closing up this amazing letter that we've been in now for 10 months. Glorying is not necessarily a bad thing. God made you to glory in something. Every human being has a deep need, a, a profound need, a longing to glory in something. What does that mean to glory? Well, most of the time it means this. Most of the time it means something that's not good. A man glories, he rejoices and is exalted in his own mind. So he glories by rejoicing and being exalted in his own mind. Doesn't have to be with spoken words again because he is convinced there's something about him that's worthy of people's attention. A woman glories by rejoicing and exalting in her own mind. Because she's convinced there's something about her that's worthy of people's attention. Now, the King James Version calls this vainglory because it is, pure, it is just pure vanity. What does vanity mean? It means empty. There's nothing there. It's like a bubble uh, that has all color on the outside, but you prick it and it just vanishes. There's nothing there. Vainglory. But vainglory, it it's absolutely empty, but oh, how it lays hold of our soul because, again, every human soul longs for value, it longs for identity, it longs for purpose, for meaning, for attention, and glorying or vainglorying does that. It gives me an identity. It gives me that feeling of being valuable, so if I'm beautiful, I, I, I glory in that. If I'm strong, I glory in it. If I'm smart, I glory in it. If I have a lot of money, I, I glory in it. If I know a lot about the Bible, I glory in that. I, if, I, if I pray a lot, I glory in it. If I'm a good preacher, I glory in it. If I'm a great singer on the worship team, I glory in it. But Paul says, God forbid that you glory in those things. God forbid it. God forbid that I should glory, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not thankful for those things. It doesn't mean you're not thankful. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, give thanks always in all things. So if you're beautiful, give thanks to the Lord for it. If you're strong, 
If you're smart, if you have a lot of money, give thanks to the Lord for it. If, if you know a lot about the Bible, if you pray a lot, if you're a good teacher, if you're a great singer on the worship team, get down on your knees and thank God for it. If you're more kind than other people, if you're, if you're, if you're more joyful than other people, if you, you seem to love more than other people, get down on your knees and say, thank you, God, I could have just as well been a jerk and you've made me into this person that you're using. I'm not saying don't be thankful, but don't glory in it in that, well, you know, there's just something about me. I love more than others. I pray more than others. I know more about the Bible than others. I, I'm more beautiful than others. I'm faster than others. There's something about me. No, that's glory. God forbid that I should glory in anything. Paul says in Galatians 6, 14, except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.31, many of you are familiar with this verse, just puts it another, another way. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about what that means. What does it mean to glory in the cross of Jesus Christ? What does that mean? It says in, in, in the version many of you are looking at, God forbid that I should boast but the, really the meaning in the Greek, it's larger than that. God forbid that I should glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I would say that this is an important thing. If Paul is saying, God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to understand what that means. But before I talk about what that means, I want to say this. Whenever you glory in anything other than God, you're hurting everyone around you. Whenever you glory in anything other than the Lord, you're glorying because of that personality, you're glorying because of that talent, that, that, that you're a hard worker, you're glorying because you know the Bible. Um, it, it, you're hurting everyone around you. Why is this? Because when you glory, when you vain glory, you're saying there's something about me. You're distancing yourself from everyone else around you. You are putting distance between them. And the distance is really upward. You're exalting. Rather than getting closer to them, you're distancing because it's like I'm different than you. I'm better than you. There's something about me. So you're hurting everyone around you. You're hurting yourself because you're poisoning yourself. But most of all, the Lord, what are you doing? You're, you're not only hurting him. The Bible says you weep. God weeps when we're full of ourselves. You're cutting him off completely. 
Because when you glory in yourself, you're creating distance between yourself and other people, but with the Lord, you're just cutting them off. If I walk away from the pulpit today and I glory in myself, um, uh, and I'm thinking, boy, I I just, yeah, that message, yeah, that me, Steve, that that message, uh, what have I done with the Lord? I've cut him off, and that grieves him. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And, and, so, and, and I also want to say this before we move on. This is a daily battle. If you are a human being and you have red blood flowing through you, this is a battle about glorying in something other than the Lord. You remember Galatians 5, 17. We spend a morning on that. The flesh lusts against the spirit. What did we say that meant? That's the flesh. Something is in us saying, I want glory. You want glory. Get glory from others. Do it. This is a daily battle. Galatians 5, 17 says, the flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts against the flesh so that I do not do what I want to do. So important to, to, to bring the Lord in and pray always, the Bible says, to bring you back to glorying in the Lord, which is where the joy is. But let's talk about that. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What is this cross that he is referring to? God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that cross that I'm supposed to glory in? The cross is where the Son of God who had created the the world, it's where the cross is where he hung pulverized, pulverizado in Spanish, by human hands, gasping for breath, which is what victims of crucifixion did, with iron stakes driven through his hands and feet. The cross was at the same time the most beautiful scene in the world, the ugliest scene in, its, in the history of the world, and the strangest scene in the history of the world. I mean, the Son of God coming down, sitting on a throne in Jerusalem, that makes sense. That's normal. The Son of God being pulverized, gra- gasping for breath, that's strange. It's a, a beautiful scene An ugly scene, it was a strange scene. God forbid that I should glory in the cross. The cross, could there be anything more strange and uglier than that, but it was also the most beautiful scene the earth had ever known or would ever know. We're going to talk about that. But again, what does it mean to glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me just start with this. Let's talk about Kensington. We were just talking about Kensington. One of the ministries they have in Kensington is to the prostitutes. There's many, many of them there. Uh, 
this year our team was doing some different things. In past years, the folks uh, from our team went out and handed out roses to the prostitutes, letting them know that God loved them. It's a dangerous thing to do. Pimps don't like that. Neither do John's. But think about that. See, think about those prostitutes. What is it that the world can offer to them? Well, the world glories in the wisdom of man. It glories in the wisdom of man. And we're in this city that glories in that wisdom. Let me ask you this, though thinking about that prostitute. If you went to the psychology department at Harvard University and you somehow were able to gather to marshal the collective wisdom of all those professors in the psychology department at Harvard and add to it the wisdom of the most brilliant minds in the uh, department of Psychiatry at the med school right down the street from here of Harvard. And you took it all down to Kensington. What would all that wisdom, if you could get it in a bottle, what could it take do to take away the shame from a woman who has had sex with hundreds of different strangers? What could it do? That's the glory of man. It's the wisdom of man. All the glory of man, what could it do for that woman to take away her shame, to take away her guilt, to take away her hatred of men, to take away the absolute, complete distrust for every man that she has now? What could all that wisdom do to take any of that away? I will tell you, absolutely nothing. I'm not saying that the psych department and the psychiatry department have not done many good things. They have. But they have nothing to offer a woman like that to take away her shame. Nothing. And that's, the whole world looks to our city. That's the glory of man. The wisdom of man. They may be able to medicate her, medicate the shame away, but who wants that solution? What kind of solution is that? Now let's compare that. Let's compare the wisdom of the best minds in the world at Harvard University, at the psychology and the psychiatry departments, and, and, and compare it to the cross. That cross where the Son of God hung, pulverized by human hands. He was beaten in the face after his trial. The Jewish high priest, beaten again by the Roman soldiers with a rod. Gasping for breaths, iron stakes driven through his hands and feet. Let, let's compare the wisdom of the best minds in the world with the cross. With the cross the message of the cross, you can go to her and you can give her a rose. And you can say, God loves you so much. He loves you so much that 
every encounter, every trick you've ever had with every man, all 548 or whatever of them, was put on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on the cross, your sin, your guilt, your shame, all of it, all of it put on him, and all God's punishment for it, his anger at it, because he was not happy with it, his, 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 the, the punishment for that sin, it went on to the Son of God so that you, sister, would never have to experience punishment for that sin, so that you would not have to have any more shame for it, any more guilt about it, the hatred in your heart could be released because of it. Then you'll never have to experience the anger or punishment of God ever. He was pulverized by human hands as punishment for your sin. He loved you that much. The gasping of his breath was punishment for your sin. He loved you that much. The iron stakes through his hands and feet, punishment for your sins. He loved you that much. All this God did for you so that instead of you being punished, you could be loved, you could be protected by God, blessed by God, provided by God, and stand before him pure and holy, restored and blameless. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one for that prostitute, as well as everyone in this room, this is what he said. He chose you, us, and that means you. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You can see not all the psychiatrists in the world can offer someone like this to a woman like that. And just, just giving that rose and telling her, listen, turn from the, your life that you have, cry out to him, ask him to forgive you, to come into your heart as king. And, and, and the Bible says he will come into your life. You, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you will be washed and you will be made clean. Titus chapter two, verse four says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The cross of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you need it. You need it just as much as that prostitute needs it. Some of you actually get that. You actually get that. That you need it as much as that woman, her arms filled with holes from needles. You need it just as much as you. Many of you don't understand that. You don't, I pray that you'll get it really soon. You need the cross just as much as that woman. Some of you are facing death and hell, the anger of God, the eternal punishment of God, 
because you have never accepted the eternal love of God. You're holding on to your life instead of letting go of it, turning to God, asking him to forgive you, asking him to come into your life as king and savior and the lover of your soul. Romans Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Who's whosoever? That's you. It's you. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The cross of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? That is something you can glory in. It is so much fabulously more than all the wisdom of the world combined. The cross of Jesus Christ. It is something that you have and you can possess and, you, uh, and many of you do possess. And in Christ, it's the most beautiful thing. It fills you with strength. It fills you with purpose. It fills you with meaning and, and that identity that, um, that you can live with so powerfully that you can glory in it without bringing any attention to yourself that you're not supposed or thinking about what you're doing. You're not glorying because you're trying to bring attention to yourself. You're just glorying because you are thanking God for the cross of Jesus Christ. God forbid, verse 14 of Galatians 6, that I should boast, that I should glory in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. And then the rest of the verse says, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. By whom, the second half of the verse says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's not, a, those aren't, that's not an easy thing to understand, the second half of that verse. What does that mean? It's speaking there of two crucifixions. Notice there, it's talking about two crucifixion, crucifixions. It says, by whom the world has been crucified. So, It's a strange thing to even think about, the world being crucified on the cross. That's what it's saying. But then there's another crucifixion where it's you on the cross. It says, by whom, verse 14, the world has been crucified. Very strange thing. Well, what's that, you know, the world on the cross? What's that about? And I meaning you're on the cross and the world's looking at you. Hard verse to understand. Let's talk about it for a little bit. The first, again, it's, it's referring to the cruci- a crucifixion in which the world is on the cross. Paul says, by Jesus Christ, the world has been crucified in me. What it means is this. It means that when you're in Christ... 
When someone gave you that rose and told you about Jesus Christ, God loves you. He loves you. Turn away from living as if you are a God unto yourself and turn to the real God, the one true God, Jesus Christ. When you do that, God gives you new eyes. You're able to glory in the Lord. And there, if you're doing well, if you're walking in the Spirit, if you weren't here for that sermon, well, that's also Galatians chapter 5, walking in the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, you begin to see the world, the world crucified on the cross. Meaning, all that the world glories in, what it values, that glamour, that status, that money, that fame, that recognition, it's now pulverized on the cross. It's gasping for its last breath. It's, It's mortally wounded with iron stakes in it. You don't want it anymore. It's ugly now. It's dying. It's on its, it's, on its last, last gasp. The, the glory of the world means, means nothing to you. The world on the cross being crucified. Again, he says, Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. He's, he's, he's speaking about what the world means to him and all its glamour. Nothing. It's worse than nothing. It is so ugly. It's like walking into a room, um, you know, with whatever, rotten eggs. It's like, ugh, no, no, I don't want that anymore. The, The world has been crucified to me, Paul says. Again, some of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. Many others of you, you don't. You're not there yet. And to you, I say this, not a reason to feel condemned. You're not some lame excuse of a Christian if you're not there. God loves you. He doesn't want that for any child of his. However, if you are not there yet where you see the world just crucified on the cross, it has no attraction to you. Cry out to God, make me into that man, God. Make me into that woman, God, please. Where the world... And everything that it glories in, that glamour, that power, that whatever, that acclaim, that reputation, it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. God can make you into that person. He who began a good work in you will complete it, Philippians 1.6. God willing, that's where we're going to be next, after Galatians, Philippians. But then he says this. He says, again, at the beginning of the second half of the verse, he says, Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. But then he says, and I to the world. What does that mean? That's you up there on the cross. What does he mean by that? It means this. In Romans chapter 6, it says that anyone who has come to Christ has died with him. In a sense, you've, you've gone to the cross, you've died, you've been crucified with him. It also says you've been buried with him. It also says you've been raised uh, to new life with him. 
And once you've gone to Jesus, you've gone to the cross, guess what? The world's going to look at you and they're going to be thinking, what is that pulverized excuse of a human being? And they will look away. Isaiah um, chapter 53 verse 3 says that when Jesus was on the cross, it says we were ashamed of what we saw. It was, it, there was a horror that was, there was nothing attractive in it. And it says we looked away. We hid our faces from, from him. The world will, will do that if you're not a hypocrite. We'll look away. So I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that life that person's leading, that woman's leading, that man is leading. No, we'll look away. So that's what he means when, when, when Paul says, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It means you're getting up on a cross and you're really unattractive, in a sense, to the world. Now, of course, someone who's walking with Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, they have a love and that you are going to attract some. Some are going to get going to say, Whoa, wait a second, I want that. that. I want that. Many others will say, it looks boring to me. It looks really unattractive to me. It looks fanatical to me. I'm not doing that. God forbid that I should glory. Paul says in Galatians 6.14. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. It is a fabulous place to be. When you get to the place where you declare that. And you mean it. And you're not just saying it. We need the grace of God to grow into that place. I'm still growing into that place. And ask the worship team to come up at this time. If you've been asked to pray, please come up at this time. You know, I, I, I really seek the Lord. I pray a lot all week, preparing my heart for, for the Sunday morning message. And it's always my prayer that through the worship for the message and then the message itself, your hearts will be stirred. to go after God, to just let go and go after God. So I'm going to ask you to rise now, rise, stand, and we're going to sing a closing worship song. And there's something that's stirring up within you based upon something that I said. And you'd like prayer for it. There's a battle going on within you that you're losing. You're just glorying in something you shouldn't be glorying in. Join the club, but ask for prayer. We've all been there or are there now. But, but, but don't be trying to glory in the Lord in your own strength. Ask your brother, sister for prayer. I'll be up here with Stephanie, my wife. Or if you've come to the 
if you haven't come to the place in your life, we talked about there are some of you, perhaps many of you. The world's not pulverized on the cross for you. There's still an attraction for it. It's not something that you look at and say, I want nothing to do with that. What the world glories in has an attraction to you that's just not healthy. Don't feel all condemned. That's what we do at church. We pray for each other. We step out of that place mm -hmm. by loving each other and praying for each other. Come up for prayer. Or if you have anything else, perhaps there are some of you in this room, you have never in your life come to the place where you have said, yeah, me and that prostitute, I'm no better than her. I've just been living in my own thing. It's not prostitution, it's something else. But I've been a god to myself. And, and, and you've never just turned from the life that you're in and turned to God and say, I'm kind of terrified, God, but I'm leaving that aside. I'm just going to trust in you. You've never done that. If you haven't, there's no better time than right now to come up and, and pray with one of us. It's a prayer of faith that moves someone from a place of expecting the judgment and punishment of God after you die to the place where you're going to be you're blameless before him in love for eternity and like right now as soon as you invite him into your life just a prayer it is a prayer of faith yes god i want that if you've never done that come up or anything else you'd like to pray about come up at this time father in the name of jesus i just thank you for this word what it did to my own heart lord just going over this one verse learning many things about it, Lord, I, I'd never even knew before. Thank you for meeting me. But all of us, Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing that work in our lives. And I just pray, even as we close out this service, Lord, we ask that you would complete the work that you began. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.